0: You're listening to the Own the Build podcast, where each week, Liam Curley and Paul Hemming from Clink discuss how small and medium-sized developers can level up their business through smart construction management.
1: That's a lovely, uh, that's a lovely shirt you're wearing today, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> I see, I see that lockdown's getting the better of you, isn't it? It's not actually. Is that really?
0: I'm reducing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very, very conscious of, um, you know, decision fatigue is something that is always on my mind. And so I made a very, very conscious decision to wear the same black T-shirt on every video. I mean, anyone listening to this, you've made a fool of yourself anyway, because this, po- this is podcast first material. And I don't know if you know, Paul, but people can't see podcasts.
1: Yeah, well, for anyone who is listening, um, for your benefit, I get to look at Liam uh, via video uh, quite often. Uh, during the days and weeks and for whatever reason through through work that is nothing else but for whatever reason whenever it comes to podcasting day he decides to slip into his Nike plain black t-shirt whatever happens and what I'm saying is I think lockdown might be getting the better of him
0: I think spending too much time with you could be getting the better of me
1: <laughs> possibly possibly
0: I mean uh, I've had less of lockdown than you
1: yeah, that's true. But um, by the same token, I have, to do- I have to deal with you as well. Mate. <laughs> anyway, should we get on with it? Should we get into construction management? Yeah, the, the topic well, I think we should. To to.
0: So, all right. I've got uh, a juicy one for you, Paolo. You're not going to like this. Here we go. So in previous episodes, we focused on one side of the coin. Right. So every feature tray topic is like a coin it's got two sides and
1: except for your wardrobe
0: <laughs> <laughs> will you leave my wardrobe out of this please
1: I can't mate I can't this is too easy
0: okay fair enough anyway so um, every, every feature anything you talk about usually is is, a, is like a coin it's got two sides the benefit you flip over the coin is pretty much the same as the the, uh, the, the negative um, in reverse. So we focused on one side, we focused on all the, the positives, if you like, of construction management, where we've spoken about construction management in previous episodes. So now I want us to talk about the circumstances where construction management as a procurement route is not suitable for a developer. Yeah. Um, how would you feel about going there?
1: Cool. well, you know I, I, I'm 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 totally comfortable with it because if you recall what I have said in the past, although I'm a big advocate of uh, construction management as a procurement route, there are lots of other procurement routes out there, and uh, they all have their uh, place in construction. So I'm happy to go there, Liam. Let's 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 do it.
0: Okay. So where do you want to start? You've spoken about your well, six criteria before, so I think that's I a, a great place to start
1: It's juicy isn't it yeah okay, so um, I mentioned uh, either on one of the previous podcasts or one in on one of the many blogs that I've done um, on construction management um, that regardless of what you are procuring and regardless of the procurement route in my opinion there are six critical criteria that um, should lead your decision making because procurement is all about risk and it's all about how best to manage risk on a project, right? Um, Again, laboring that point, that's what we're we're really dealing with here. We're dealing with risk. So for anyone, for any developer or anyone who is doing uh, professional construction procurement, my opinion is there are these six criteria. These criteria are... How much does the developer want to be involved with construction?
0: That's criteria number one.
1: Criteria number two would be, does the developer want to be able to alter the design during the construction, or are they focused on fixing the design at the very start? And that's that. Um, Number three is, is the project complex? Number four is, does the developer want early completion or the shortest possible program is probably the better way to put that. Um, Does the developer want certainty on price, number five or number six? Does the developer want maximum price competition? And often you can't have both. Um, So they're the six criteria. And for
0: the purpose of this episode, um, because there's quite a lot to go through there, isn't there? So we're going to focus on the first three. And do this as a two-parter, and the next episode will go on to four, five, and six.
1: We'll leave it as a cliffhanger. People are going to be scrambling to come back more, wondering what they're going to do with themselves for a week without knowing about criteria four, five, and six. Brilliant.
0: I don't know how they're going to sleep.
1: <laughs> exactly, mate, exactly. Um, yeah, okay, So, so where do you want to start? Criteria number one. It's a good place to start. Yeah, okay. So, um, probably one, uh, that developers, uh, or SME developers, um, a lot that I know will probably trouble themselves with this, uh, question. Does the developer want to be involved with the construction? I imagine the initial gut reaction to that question is, uh, not really it's not very uh it's not the nice part of uh real estate and development work being involved in the construction it isn't necessarily um the sexy part i think we've said before so um that would be the question the uh the reality in my opinion what uh, is the is sexy the, part what is the sexy part of development probably doing deals at the front end um Finding land, making uh, intelligent decisions based on your development appraisals, finding land that's going to be profitable. Probably really nice selling the end product, isn't it, at the end as well, right? When you've got your concepts in reality, it's the the bit in between, particularly the, the muddy bit with uh, all us construction folk, which is probably... Uh, a means to an end, as opposed to a, a, an enjoyable process. Maybe that's just my my opinion on it, but I imagine that most people don't uh, get out of bed thinking, "Great, we're in a construction phase of this project."
0: Uh, that was, sounds fair to me. I'm just curious because you keep saying, like you say, you, you say quite often, this is not the sexy part of development, and and uh, I just wanted to know what you thought was. So sorry, oh, sorry lo- for interrupting. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'd love, no, I'd love, I'd love to be told that um. I'm wrong and that the construction is the sexy part, but just a little feeling I've got, I don't think that people are, it's not the bit that really uh, gets them going if that's the right way uh, to explain it. So regardless, uh, my point for um, SME developers is that, uh, and in fact for all developers, is that you can't really turn a blind eye to the construction uh, side of things. Anecdotally, uh, developers talk about Uh, 33 33 33 Uh, maybe that's not quite the case now but the 33% being you spend your money on the land 33% being you spend your money on the construction 33% was profit is what anecdotally was thrown around whether or not that actually is the case I'm not I'm not so sure anymore uh, in the tight market but the point stands that if 33% of your project cost is um, related to construction uh, or if your gdv is related to construction then it can't be something that you that you ignore it's got to be something that you've got to get involved with and if you are involved with it it's going to save you a lot of time and money um in my opinion um that isn't actually the question that we're really talking about here the question really is does the developer want to be involved with construction and the answer can be yes it can be no it can be in part and we'll kind of come to the implication of that, because if you are a developer that doesn't want to be too involved with construction, uh, the easier route is perhaps to go design and build a JCT contract. And in effect, you are then dealing with one principal contractor. Um, you're not dealing with multiple subcontractors, which means you're still dealing with construction because you have to, you can't avoid it uh, altogether regardless. Um, but you're dealing with it at more of an arm's length. Um, and with that comes the benefit of not dealing with construction, um, but also uh, the drawback of not dealing with construction and therefore not being able to actually manage it, not being able to value engineer it, not being able to make uh, it a profitable and lean endeavor. Whereas with construction management, that's the one that I always bang on about, you very much are involved with construction. Um, that can be as simple as your involvement is actually employing a construction manager or a project manager Um, that could be your involvement with construction it doesn't mean you're the one on site running around making people do different tasks but it does just mean the brickwork um, yeah you're not laying the brickwork you are actually thinking about construction as a business which I know it's and it's something I always bang on about but that's what I'm advocating for is that uh, you can't turn a blind eye to construction. Do a little bit of focus on it as a business and you'll reap the rewards. Um, so, yeah, that would be my criteria one.
0: So, criteria number one, even though it's you're saying the question is, does the developer want involvement with construction? Really, you're saying uh, if you really don't want to be involved, then construction management is probably not the route for you, but it's not a very wise decision. Uh, to 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 stay completely away from construction
1: yeah a- absolutely i mean <clears throat> um what i would say is that you you asked me at the start of the sh- of the show whether um in what instances was it not suitable uh, to choose construction management i would say it's suitable to choose construction management when you're a developer who has got a bit of resource that can manage it you've got some expertise in the house that can do it i e the project manager where it's where it's not suitable would definitely be where you don't have A, the resource or B, the desire to create the resource in order to manage, manage the construction. In which case, going for the more expensive um, and longer program uh, design and build process is probably much more suitable. So uh, if you're asking me, when isn't it suitable? It's absolutely not suitable if the developer doesn't want to manage construction because that's what you're going to have to do with construction management. What I'm saying, to mitigate that is, that doesn't mean going out and laying some bricks.
0: Unless you want to.
1: Unless you want to. Some people do. Maybe do it as a
0: DIY job. Exactly. Get a a professional bricklayer in. I wanted to take a quick break from the show to share a message from our sponsor, C-Link. Sync is software designed to streamline the process of subcontract procurement. It's a platform that helps SME developers and main contractors stay agile whilst replicating the commercial scale and savvy of large contractors. If you want to save a guaranteed minimum 5% against budget construction costs on your next project, head to www.get.com dot c link dot com slash podcast to find out more. If you're driving or working out right now and didn't catch that URL, don't sweat it. We've included the link in the description box for this episode. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, Paul, so let's move on to criteria
1: number two. Criteria number two. So we've done number one. Um, Criteria number two. What is criteria number two again? So uh, does the developer want to be able to alter the design during the project or are they going to fix the design at the front end? Um, This maybe is uh, one of the lesser. um, It's not the most important of the six criteria. (laughs) Um, So... There are probably three typical reasons why you would want to change the design during the project. Um, So that could be that you want to change what is being built because uh, you've you've made a mistake or you you want to be able to change things because um, something doesn't actually work structurally, for example. Um, Number two might be that you want to revise the design because of information that you haven't been able to complete at the front of the project. So You'll all know as developers listening that often an architect is not going to give you a comprehensive design as part of your planning or comprehensive design at the very outset of the project. There's always going to be things that are missing. Um, and then step three, or uh, the, reason, the third reason why you would want to change design is because as a developer, you may want to react to the environment around you. You may want to react to the market. There may have been a recession, there may, anything could have happened which might make you think actually I don't want to have seven one-bed uh, one studio flats anymore I want to have four two-bed flats or or whatever so um, there's like I say the uh, reason why we would want to change the design is not necessarily the uh, most important criteria of the six but it is still something worth uh, thinking about and considering because again going back to the SME market which we talk about a lot Liam is that That market, is often you need to be nimble. Often things are going to change during the 12, 18 months. Some of these uh, projects or developments go on for years in the front end. And by the time that you've got yourself through your 6 to 12-month planning period, guess what? COVID's happened. So the world has changed. And so now um, people all of a sudden don't want to have a one-bed apartment, a one-bed studio in central London they're thinking, I'm going to be working from home a lot of the time. So actually, I want to have a two-bed apartment. So one could be my home office or whatever. The point I'm trying to make that might not be the best example is that life changes and you may want to be able to change the design. There's a long time scale
0: between those first designs and actually coming to build and a lot changes in that time.
1: Exactly. There's there's a lot that... uh, changes between when you're finding the land and you're doing the development appraisal and you're saying seven studio apartments, in my example, um, is going to give me this return. Um, there's a long way and so many things that change in terms of your mentality as a business, external factors, lots of other things that change from that moment all the way to actually selling. So you, uh, the question being, do you want to be able to react to external factors? I think a lot of SME developers. Do want to build in that flexibility if you go with um design and build or if you go with traditional uh, uh contracting often uh, you you don't lose that flexibility but construction contracts that you give to your main contractor impose obligations on them it imposes obligations on them to deliver the works within a certain period of time so if you if that changes um if what that
0: changes to, to start saying pound signs before their eyes, is that what you're saying?
1: <laughs> I'm getting there, I'm getting there. <laughs> well, exactly, no, but if, if that changes and you want to change something, not only is that potentially a get-out-of-jail-free card if they are late in other areas and it helps them to cover that uh, issue, but it also allows them to claim for lost of expense and actually eventually increases your overall cost. So your lump sum price that you agree in January... Uh, might actually not be a lump sum price uh, come December if you actually want to change things, which a lot of SME developers do. Um, so uh, the 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 way up that you have as a developer with criteria number two, which is, do you want to be able to alter the design during the project? Is is exactly that. Do you want to build some flexibility in? If you don't, then design and build, hand over the keys to the design to the design and build contractor. Let them deal with it. That's absolutely fine. Comes with its own benefits. Um, if you do, um, then alternative methods are better. Uh, construction management being the example. If you use construction management and you're breaking things up into chunks of subcontract work, so your groundwork's and your frame, your envelope and your brickwork, your fit out your m and E. At those different checkpoints, you're able to build in a little bit of flexibility. So you may be able to, going back to my example, think once you've built the you've got the groundworks going actually think no I, I want to change the layouts of the apartments. I want to be able to give a second office space or something like that. I want to change the the, the layouts and you actually won't have lost anything necessarily because the the layouts of the apartments are going to be done by the fit out contractor and you, you, you haven't awarded that package yet. If you've done it on a design and build that package has already been awarded you're going to extend your overall program because there's going to be a change and you're gonna pay for it as well. Um, So, when when isn't it suitable? Um, When it isn't suitable, uh, construction management is when a developer wants to fix the design at the very start. They're absolutely certain about what they're doing and they wanna go from that point. Where it is appropriate is where you want a bit of flexibility, you wanna be able to react to market conditions, or you wanna be able to change things for whatever reason. Okay. How's that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's not bad. What's number three? <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, let's, let's have a look. What is number three? <clears throat> um, number three, I'm trying to remind myself here, Liam.
0: Would you like me to remind you?
1: Yeah, that would help. Go on. Is
0: the project complex?
1: Yeah, is the project complex? And this is very subjective because everyone is going to have a different opinion on complexity, aren't they? And complexity can be... complexity. Technically, complexity and contract could be lo- loads of different things. Um, I don't. I don't. When I think about it, and when I think about it in this context, having drafted these six criteria, the way I'm looking at it is um, purely uh, like technologically or technically. Like, is the project uh, littered with technical challenges? I.e., is it built next to a railway track? that requires you to get really bespoke piling, requires you to get all of these complex uh, permits in place with network rail, those kinds of things? Mm. Or or, or is it actually relatively simple from a a construction perspective? Is it new build in in an open space, Mm. et cetera, et cetera? So when I'm talking about complexity here, that's what I'm uh, referring to. On simple projects or simpler projects, it can be better to rely on... The skill and judgment of a um, design and build contractor from times so that's kind of what uh, design and build was initially set up for so design and build was the the concept of it was I want to build a warehouse um, I need it to be twelve thousand square foot um, and I want it to have a u value of x you, you give that to a design and build contractor, and they tell you how they're going to build it for the most competitive price ever and you've got this amazing competitive tender process so
0: right. And and because in the example you gave about the sim about the simpler project, it's going to be very well. You would assume straightforward to find a design build contractor that has built a simple uh, project with eight homes on a on. Um, you know I, I can't remember what you referred to it as. Um,
1: in, in a big open in, space. In, in open I'll, space, yeah. exactly, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, um, yeah, for instance, your like, big housing developments, perhaps it's slightly mm-hmm. different. Um, I mean, and, and, and with, with that approach, you are handing over the keys somewhat. And that makes sense, doesn't it, With the, going back to the warehouses? That's why I always got told at university, design and build is for that warehouse where you're, it's, not, it's not that complicated. You can competitively tender it. People will come and say, I'm going to get you this 12,000 square foot and give you the value. By doing it with this product, someone else will say this product, someone else will say this product. Um, and it's a competitive tender. It makes perfect sense. Design and build is great um, for that. Where design and build can have drawbacks is that the developer has less control of the design. We've just talked about how you may want to have control of the design for a number of different reasons. Um, if design control is important, there is no reason um, that... Uh, construction management isn't a really appropriate and simple approach, um, and so I think construction management can be uh, quite good for that.
0: That because when you put it like that, it seems a bit counterintuitive that you might suggest that a pro a complex project would be a good fit for a construction management approach. If you're the developer, it feels you know, if you've got no- normally. In, in other areas of business, if you've got something specialist, as in specialist outside of your remit of, uh, of expertise, and um, it's a particularly complicated example of that specialism, you find an external specialist to do that. So in a case of construction, you find a DMB contractor or a, a Prism contractor, whatever the type of contract. Um, but so why would you not do that with a with the project by the the um, the railway the rail line?
1: Well, that's that, that that's uh, exactly where construction differs from um, most other sectors. Is that um, there are hundreds of trades and hundreds of different specialisms, right? So within uh, groundwork, you've got. Foundations, you've got excavation, you've got piling. Within piling, which is a subcategory of groundwork, you've then got, and I don't even know piling that well, right? But you've got sheet piling, you've got mini piling, you've got all these different kinds of piling. So it is impossible for a design and build contractor, it's impossible for any business to be an expert in every single trade. That isn't something which is possible because there's so many different ones. So by uh, handing it over to a design and build contractor, Their process is to then go through and subcontract it all out and find all of these specialists because they don't have the expertise. They want to find it. If you go with that route, it works. And I'm not for a minute saying it doesn't work. Of course, it does work. What doesn't work about it is the numbers potentially. Um, And with construction management, if you think about the, the contractual structure of construction management, there should be less conflict between design and uh, contractors because the contractors are in control of the design. There isn't a middleman between client and specialist, that piling contractor and developer, whereas in the middle with design and manage, design and build, you've got another commercial interest, which is the design and build contractor managing up the line to, to get as much money as possible out of the client and down the line to reduce costs where possible. So by removing that middle layer of management, You're actually, as a developer, accessing the expertise directly and removing a commercial interest in the middle, which although they are good at managing construction, I'm not saying that they're not, Um, although they are good at managing construction, they are naturally in the way because they have a commercial interest in things. And the, the, the amazing design and build contractors are based on having amazing people. That's the nature of their business. What you can do if you want to be involved in construction, if you want to be involved, if you want to have the flexibility in design, is simply try and identify that resource, try and identify that project management team that they have. Bring that into your own business.
0: And and also, because like you say, design and build is a good option for a less complex job because you can find suitable design and build contractors. They've built these projects before, they've got the systems in place to do it again. So they've developed that expertise. Doesn't mean you should use them. It doesn't. It doesn't mean you should always use them for a complex project. A, a less complex project. You still got the other option. But if you are thinking to use that route, a and bill route for a complex project, presumably they've got an extra ele- element of risk because there are elements within that. There are areas within a complex project that they've maybe not dealt with before or not dealt with frequently. So they're gonna have to price for that increased risk, hopefully. And then they're going to have to price for the extra procurement work that they've got to identify these specialist contractors, subcontractors that they don't often deal with. And you're hoping that that all happens because obviously, um, it could be some examples where they, they try to work with their existing supply chain that isn't specialist. That's not going to happen on most occasions, but obviously that that risk is there, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, just just taking it back to um, design and build was initially conceptualised for the simple project where you hand over the design and the build to someone because you're basically saying, I want this warehouse. It's a simple build. I want it to be 12,000 square foot. I want the u value to be blah. I want this, that, and the other. You don't say... I want the warehouse to be 12,000 square foot, including X square foot of office space, this this machinery, this glazing, blah, blah, blah. You're simply saying, I want this to be built uh, in a simple fashion. And then they're, they're telling you as design and build contractors, this is the way to, I would do it. And you say, I like your way. I like your contractors proposals and you give them the keys to the project. You sit back and then they hand over to you 12,000 square foot with a U value of whatever, you're happy. That's a simple, simple project. If, if your project is um, not quite like that, or if you want to be able to have flexibility to all the different components of it, which we talked about prior to criteria one and two, then uh, design and build isn't the best fit. Um, where, where would construction management... Let's, let's, let's round off this segment, right? Because the question was, where is construction management not suitable uh, or not the best route? My answer would be, on simple projects, design and build is perfect. On simple projects being the warehouse where I know what I want to achieve, but I'm not overly concerned about the means to the end. Where I have a more complex project, where I want certain kitchens because I want to achieve a certain brand in a certain area uh, where people want to buy houses, or I want to have a certain kind of product because I'm near a train station and I want to uh, have good sound quality. Want to reduce the noise coming through from the train station. Where there's detail, I don't think that uh, design and build is the best. Solution. Or you
0: simply want, like you said about design, you want more input on the design. Then yeah, um, you you yeah exactly.
1: And and uh, you can get that input from a design and build uh, contractor by all means. That design and build contractor will um, effectively employ project management team to get it done mm-hmm. so why not employ the project management team yourself uh, and, and construction manager
0: okay Paul I think that wraps up criteria three and I think we should
1: is this the cliffhanger
0: this is the cliffhanger let's end it there for part one and uh, to be continued in part two what do
1: you think about what do you think about throwing on a new frock next week no do you I'm think not doing it uh...
0: I made the decision <laughs> I made the decision on the black t-shirt and you make, I've made that decision once. That was the whole point. I make it once and I don't have to make it. What am I going to wear every episode? It's this. So
1: that's, that's what I worry about every, every, every morning of a podcast. I can
0: tell, I can tell by the look in your eyes. You, 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 you've, you've, you um, You've been thinking a lot about this and you pro- you probably have lost sleep on it.
1: You're right, aren't you? I'm actually... Uh, no, nah, I'm only joking. Tempting, Judging I'm by what you're wearing, you. I don't think you lost much sleep. <laughs> right, on that note, I'm out of it. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time, Paul. Cheers, mate. Take it easy. Well.